And we can go on and on and on, citing verse after verse where we are told that it is necessary to overcome this world, the temptation to abandon following Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. And it should be very clear why we are tested repeatedly so God can see through our actions what is really in our hearts. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the Lord tests our faith. Since we're very young and throughout our lives, we have all been tested in different ways to see our abilities in action and if we're able to progress to higher levels. Our relationship with the Lord is not very different. God allows for us to be tested because He wants to see firsthand through our actions what is really in our hearts. And God tests you because He wants to make sure that you are ready and worthy through Jesus Christ for the kingdom age, for the eternity that is coming. Today's message is inspired on John chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Blessing and honor and glory be to you, O Lord, now and always and forever and ever. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, I pray, God, that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. I pray, Heavenly Father, always, O Lord, for your mercy. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, for your guidance, for your strength. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may help us to understand your word. Help us to understand that you do intend to test us, to see what we are able to do through you, through your son, Jesus Christ, and to make us ready for what is coming. Help us, O Lord, to be sensitive to you, Lord God, to seek out your will. And no matter what happens, for us to be able to rely on you, to trust in you, Lord God, and to remain faithful to all in all. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today's key passage can be found in John chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. This is the word of the Lord. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. 
One of the things we can notice here in this passage is that the Lord said or asked things to get to a point for a reason, and usually for the benefit of the audience, if you will. The Lord was always mindful of people around him and also of those that would somehow come to know of these events in the future, like we're talking about them today. This is one of the things that help us understand that the Lord was and is always thinking about the bigger picture of the grand scheme of things. He never does anything that just affects the moment or a select few people. This is a testament to his all-knowing attribute as God and that his thoughts are unlimited and that he is far superior than us. For it is written in Isaiah chapter 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so since God is all-knowing and he is masterful in everything he does, that he is far superior to us in every kind of way, they should bring us to a point of humbleness, to a sense of expectation, and to just do as he tells us to do, like we saw in the Gospel of John earlier. We read that Jesus saw a great multitude coming towards him, and he asked Philip a question. He asked Philip, but with an alternate reason, if you will. There was something behind the question, and we see that the question itself was asked to start an action, to have the disciples start to get engaged in what he was going to do. I would venture to say that if Jesus would not have asked anything, that the disciples would have just sat idle and just let things be, and for different reasons. But his desire was to plant the concern, to have them think and be attentive to the crowd. So you see, if he would not have asked Philip what to do with the people, Andrew would not have noticed the boy with the barley loaves and the fish. The question started a chain of events. Now, we see quite clearly that Jesus asked Philip the question to test him because John mentions it. And like that, he tests the others also. So why was Jesus thinking about testing the disciples? What is the purpose of testing them? And of course, what are the reasons for why he tests us through our different circumstances? God tests people for very precise reasons. The first reason for why the Lord tests us is to see what is in our heart. Now, someone might say, if he is an all-knowing God who even knows our thoughts, why go through the trouble of testing us? God knows everything, especially what is in the very depths of our hearts and minds. For it is written, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind. And here we see again that he tests the mind. Why? Because there is a big difference between knowing something and seeing what you know in action. He tests people to see what they are actually going to do, to see their thoughts and desires in action. If we read the rest of the verse, we read the following where it says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. This is one of the main reasons for testing us, for judgment based on our actions. This gives us the answer as to why God allows for many things to happen. Many times people question God and they ask, if God is so good, then why does he allow for so many bad things to happen? He needs to allow for things to happen so he can judge people for their actions. It would be unfair to judge someone for wrongs they have not committed, right? Just like it would not be right to reward a person if they have not done the right action. 
So God is always looking to see what we're going to do when we are put in situations and circumstances, whether good or evil. And depending on how we react is that he will judge us or reward us. There must be an action in order for judgment to take place. He is ultimately interested in seeing what we finally wind up doing. Now, let's look at the question that Jesus made to Philip again. This is what he said. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Why ask Philip this? The first implication that he puts on Philip is the notion of buying the bread for the multitude. What's the reason? He puts him to think about dealing with the situation in a very human, practical, and mundane kind of way. Why? So Philip can understand that the problem cannot be solved with human capabilities. There were thousands of people there. The Apostle John tells us about the men, that there were 5,000. But we are told that there were women and children also. So the group was much larger than 5,000 people. So Philip realized that the task of feeding the multitude is impossible to be accomplished through normal human abilities. They don't have the money to do so. And so the financial obligation was too much. And Philip even says that if even they, if they had a large amount of money, like 200 denarii, and a denarii was a laborer's daily wage, or if they had 200 days worth of money, that they would only be able to eat a little bit. What is the other thing we see here? That there is the complication of availability. So money was not the only limitation for meeting the need. Andrew finds this boy that only had five barley loaves and two small fish. And so supposedly they had the money somewhere. They still had the problem of where to get so much food. And again, another physical imposition to meet the task. So the exercise that Jesus was making the disciples go through is to come to the realization that they could not deal with the situation with human or carnal capabilities. So they could be ready to take the next step, which is obedience. The Lord told the disciples to make the people sit down. And here we can notice something that is part of the miracle, if you will. There is no reply or argument or anything like that when Jesus tells them to do something. There is no, why are you asking us to make these people sit down? Don't you realize that we have hardly anything to give this multitude? What's the matter with you? You see no reply, nothing like that, no doubt, just straight obedience. And what's even more interesting is that the multitude obeys as well. They just go along with it. Over 5,000 people that are, were hungry just go ahead and do exactly what they're told to do as ridiculous as it may seem. And why is this important? Our obedience is what allows for God to act through us. It's as simple as that. If we obey and do as God tells us to do, we can form part of God's miracles. If we don't obey the Lord, then we exclude ourselves of the things He is going to accomplish. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we read one of the many passages that tells us of what God will do with those that obey him, where it says, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed you shall be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. 
Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed you shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. And so there are different ways we can look at this. Either God will reward those that obey him, or we find great benefit when we work within the structure that God has established, because in the end, God made everything and he has established all things in the universe, including the consequences of what happens when you do or don't do certain things. No matter how you look at it, obeying God is the best we can do for ourselves. Now, there is another reason for why God tests us. He tests us to see if we are ready for what is coming. This life that we're leading now is a place for ultimate decision. Every decision leads to something. In other words, if he tests us in something, it is to see if we are ready for the next step. Think about it like when we were, and maybe some of you who are listening still are in school. There are a series of tests that a person must go through to graduate from one level to another level. If you pass certain tests, then you are allowed to go to the next level. If you fail the test, then you stay where you are until you have the next opportunity to see if you have learned from your mistakes and or are skilled or knowledgeable enough to pass to the next level. Now let's put it in this perspective. I would think that a second grader, no matter how talented or gifted they might be, cannot or should not be given the opportunity to be a structural engineer on a bridge design. And I think you would all agree, right? Why? Because they have not gone through the steps of learning everything they need to learn and to be tested on, on what they know so that a certified and or experienced person has the level of comfort that the individual knows what they're doing. For a person to be a structural engineer, they need to graduate from high school, go to the university, go through an apprenticeship program, working under others that have had this experience, and then pass a standardized governmental test to get a license so they can, in fact, be ready to design a bridge. But if a person cannot pass sixth grade mathematics, how can they even be ready for calculus or physics or statics and so on? If they cannot pass rudimentary mathematics that are less complex than bridge design, then how can a person even be prepared to do such a thing, especially something where many lives and a lot of money and equipment will go to and from on? 
And wouldn't you want for someone having such a great responsibility to be tested enough by qualified people to assert that they are ready for the task? If a bridge collapses, it is very possible that many people will die and there will be an extensive amount of financial and time loss. And we can draw other similar parallels. But this is another reason for why God tests us, to see if we are ready for greater things. He is not going to allow a person to do certain things they're not ready for, no matter what their intentions are. And in that regard, he goes by what a person does when he tests them and not by what their thoughts are. He judges by the actions of a person. This is also why we need to prepare ourselves in him through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the study of his word. That's why this whole business of what some people say that all you have to do is believe and nothing else is completely wrong. It's not just about faith. It's about learning and growing in Christ, about applying that to daily life and decision making. We always need to remember that faith without works is dead. And this leads us to our final point, but it is related to the process we've been looking at all along. The Bible refers to this world as a valley of decision. The purpose for this world is to see if a person will not only decide to believe in Jesus Christ or not, but also to grow and become ready in Christ for the coming age. The Bible explains that there are things that God has prepared for those that love him. And it also explains that we will exercise some sort of authority in the eternal future. The eternal future in Christ is not about playing harps in the clouds like some cartoons in the distant past may have led us to believe. God uses the circumstances here to change us and transform us into superior beings through the work of the Holy Spirit to make us ready for what is coming. In James chapter one, it says, blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. In this passage, he is not referring to temptations in this world by going through certain circumstances. The temptation that is mentioned here is referring to the overall experience through this life of either retaining or losing the lordship relationship with Christ. The devil will always tempt us to give up and deviate from the will of the Father. He is doing that at every moment possible, or rather at every moment that God allows him to tempt us. Because again, God allows us to be tested and he allows for the devil to deliver the circumstances, if you will. And so we will not receive the crown of life after being approved at a certain point here on earth, but rather after everything in this world is said and done for us individually. This is a test throughout our life, a test for those that have decided to follow Christ. And of course, if a person has not even made the decision to follow Christ, how can they have access to the crown of life? So it is not just about believing in Christ, but it is also about enduring, about passing test after test after test to the point that we are ready for the next eternal step. God is ready for those that have not only just believed in him, but love him. Our love for him will definitely be tested to see if it is real or just mere words. A lot of people say that they love God. But do they really love him? Do they really put God and his will above their own desires and will? God's test will reveal what is truly in a person's heart. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 1 says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, 
that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so God must test our faith. He wants to see if we overcome like we need to through Jesus Christ, to see if we are worthy for the coming age, for the things he has ready for those that love him. Throughout many passages of the Bible, the word of God talks about the need to overcome. We know that Christ did it all on the cross, but that was his part. It is now our turn to overcome through him, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the scriptures. We always need to remember that God is not going to force anyone to do anything. He will guide us and lead us, but we must submit our members to him because it is all about love. And in love, there is always choice. Love is never force. There is no obligation in love. There is always free will in love. And so our love for God must be strong enough to overcome the testing of our faith. Here are just a few of the many passages that the Bible talks about where we are told that we need to overcome, where it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations." He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And finally, he says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. And we can go on and on and on, citing verse after verse where we are told that it is necessary to overcome this world, the temptation to abandon following Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. And it should be very clear why we are tested repeatedly so God can see through our actions what is really in our hearts. So how can we endure and overcome? By clinging on to the Lord with everything we are by learning to love the Lord, by feeding our faith through the word of God. The only way our faith grows is by getting into his word daily and making it a part of our lives by living it out. For it is written, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I would encourage you for your own good, to make sure that you can overcome and be able to have the eternal life and eternal reward God has to offer by establishing a true and genuine relationship with the Lord, 
living that out daily, learning to love the Lord with everything you are and doing as he tells you to do daily through the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the instruction of the Holy Scriptures. If you do this, you will attain immortality and be found faithful through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to pass the test to get to what is coming in the not so distant future. The Lord is coming and one day it will become quite apparent to God and everyone around us what our faith is really about. The word teaches us that we will be tested time and time again and in different ways. So there's no getting out of that. God will test our faith and what we have built in our lives out of. The Bible even tells us that we will undergo the test of fire. For it is written, Now if anyone builds on this foundation, speaking of Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become evident. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. This is why we cannot listen to false doctrines and teachings that do not align with the Word of God. It is a false statement to say that it is easy to follow the Lord. It is not as easy as some make it sound. There are many people that think that people just go to heaven just because, without the need for any repentance and conversion from sins, without any commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and without any good works as the evidence of their faith. The devil is all in favor, because he is the master of deceit and deception, of anything and everything that helps you have the wrong concept of the truth. The devil wants for every person to be just as condemned as he is. And that's why there is so much disinformation out there. There is no such thing as many truths. There is only one truth, and of course, only one way to God, Jesus Christ. And so he must be the Lord of your life, and your life must be built on him, using what he teaches you through the word to become what you need to become, to become worthy of immortality and God's eternal purposes. So it should become quite clear to us that things are not as simple as many make it seem. This is what the Word of God teaches, what Jesus Christ himself said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. A cross is not something light and convenient. It's heavy and difficult and burdensome. It's troubling. The cross that Jesus Christ endured for our salvation was not easy in any kind of way. So if Christ says that we must take up our cross daily and follow him, that means that there will be difficulty along the way, that there will be hardship. The testing of our faith will not be easy because the Lord ultimately wants to see if we're willing to love him and follow him no matter what the cost. He wants to see in action if we truly love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We need to remember that he did not come to do away with the law, but rather to fulfill it through him and to fulfill it in each of us. God is in the business of transforming and changing lives to make us ready for what is coming. That's the main focus for the tests. God wants to see firsthand what is in our hearts by what we do, not by what we say and by what we think. So we need to accept the reality of the hardship, but we need to be mindful of the prize so that we push on. The prize is Christ. 
eternal life, eternal reward, immortality, the hidden treasures of God, those things that outweigh anything we could ever imagine. As it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. Through Jesus Christ, we have everything to gain, those things that are far superior to anything this world has to offer, and they will last forever. This world is temporary, and everything here is quickly passing by. But with the Lord, we have great things to look forward, and they will last all eternity. It is more than worth it to endure any test and trying of our faith. He is worth it. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to understand that we will experience hardship and that you will test us. But the reason for this is that you want to make us stronger and better. You want to transform our lives. You want to make us something glorious through your Son, Jesus Christ, that your name may be glorified through our lives. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that, that faith is more than just saying that we believe, but that it needs to be a part of our lives. It needs to be everything to us. Faith in Christ needs to be the reason for why we live so that we can attain the eternal life that you have for us, so that we can have the rewards that you have for those that love you. Help us to grow in your love. Help us to grow in your faith. Help us to understand, Lord God, that though there may be difficulty, we can do all things through Christ. But help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to remain faithful in you, to look for your will, to accomplish your purpose on this earth. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.